Hi, this is Mandy Griffin. And I'm Katie Swalwell. And welcome to Our Dirty Laundry. Stories of white ladies making a mess of things. And how we need to clean up our act. Welcome to our dirty laundry. It's Mandy and it's Katie. Hello, and we're back to talk <laughs> about some bullshit shenanigans. We're, we're as angry usual. per usual. I know <laughs> white I, women. I, God damn it! <laughs> I've seriously like I've been thinking about the last season that we've been last season that we looked at reproductive rights and reproductive justice. And we learned so I, there was so much I did not know and so much that I learned. And, um, I just, I think like, wow, at this point, I kind of, if people haven't listened to those episodes, I sort of want you to just stop, listen that this isn't even self-promotion at all. It's just to say there, there is so much leading up to what has happened in this moment that we do not want to repeat again. I mean, Mm -hmm. this, this has really been on my mind. Like, okay, People are fired up. There are marches. There are protests. There's mobilizations are happening. Great. Like I, if this doesn't mobilize people, then I don't even know what to think about anything. Yeah. But so yeah. like, yes, this, that will happen. And we know that when that happens, really old habits and patterns of activism, wherein white women marginalize, erase, ignore, decenter, Overlook, like put the verb in like the negative verb insert there, like a terrible mad libs, like that white women will do that to women of color, to trans people. So like, there's just going to be a litany of of things that white cis straight women get wrong, even if Mm -hmm. they're, they're like political agenda looks the same or they have some shared goal. So that is what I'm trying to stay focused on right now is how can we, from all of the history that we've been learning the ways that we want to get involved, the ways we want to encourage other people to get involved, that it's intersectional immediately. That's mm-hmm. not something that waits until later mm-hmm. that we are thinking about how all of these issues and rights and identities are connected, that we do not compromise anyone else's humanity or rights to get ours. That yeah. is unacceptable. You yeah. know, those kinds well, of lessons. It's why, I mean, I think it's part of why we're at where we are. It's so easy to blame mm-hmm. like the Supreme Court and Trump and the people that voted for him. And then the, you know, him putting in these three conservative hardline justices that we knew were going to do this. Oh, but that's chock full of shit at their hearings. Obviously. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. The, mm-hmm. And we knew all of that. And it's easy right. to stop there. But you, with when you know the history of reproductive mm-hmm. rights, which encompasses so much more than abortion rights, right. then right. you know that w- this situation could only happen because we kind of we fucked it up the first time around. Like we, as white women, when I say we and white cis women yes, um, in particular and liberal progressive white cis women, wealthy. yeah, wealthy, all yep. the things mm-hmm. that we are, that's what I mean by we, right. Um, right. like we just narrow in on this abortion rights, like the ability to obtain an abortion. And that is not the end all, like that is not where we should just be putting all of our resources and our money and all of our things. Like if you you have to get the entire thing right for it not to fall apart when shit like this happens. Um, And I hope that we mobilize people 
especially because we know that midterm elections are notoriously against the party that's in power. And we have said many times, we don't necessarily just represent like Democratic Party, especially not Katie. I have always, <laughs> I have <laughs> always identified as a Democrat. I still do. But I mean, I think I find myself more and more um, I like to call it progressive. I'm sure some mm -hmm. people would call it like extreme and I don't care. Like mm -hmm. I just, mm -hmm. I don't care that that's how some people want to qualify it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we just have to be weary of the agenda that's being pushed, I think. And, and mobilize yeah. to actually make a difference this time. Cause if, we, if it doesn't like what we're just fucked. I mean, we kind of feel like. <laughs> Yeah, but we it's are like, at this point in time anyway. There, but humanity just is, I don't even know. No, it's, uh, this is, uh, I know I talk about this podcast a lot, but I love it so much. It's Undistracted with Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Mm -hmm. And the last episode that um, she just posted was from like a year ago. She did an interview with Gloria Steinem and uh, Renee Bracey Sherman, who's known as the Beyonce of abortion storytelling and this just incredible organizer and activist. And listening to their conversation, it's one of the best podcast episodes I've ever listened to. It's um, it was reposted on May 5th called what happens now. Mm -hmm. And it's Gloria Steinem and Renee Bracey Sherman on the future of abortion. It was so, so powerful. And it made me think of a couple things. So to your point about like, we're all fucked. Sure. And at the very beginning, Brittany Packett Cunningham says we, I, I get the temptation to despair, but despair is not an option. I'm paraphrasing a little mm -hmm. bit, but I mm -hmm. really appreciate that. And then this idea of like getting mobilized. One of the things that I'm learning is the willingness to be mobilized mm -hmm. by the most marginalized, most vulnerable people. And to say like, I am at your service. I will marshal whatever resources I can for you, for you to direct no strings attached. Like, that being super powerful. Um, she talks about her neighbor. C. Sherman talks about the difference that black and brown led organizations, especially organizations led by black and brown women are so underfunded relative to other progressive organizations led by white people, white women included by like a giant magnitude, you know? Yeah. So like their organization has a budget of like $300,000 versus other organizations with like $45 million budgets. Mm -hmm. And so what would it mean to, what would it mean to equip black and brown women with the resources that white women have had and squandered quite frankly, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, or, or used in very limited sorts of ways, you mm -hmm. know, for very limited outcomes. The other thing they talk about that I thought was really important, which you taught us about in the last season had to do with the Hyde amendment right off the bat. And that, um, women of color wanting to push against that, like right at the outset. And that was like one of those compromises, like, well, you know, we'll allow for some restrictions and it's like, well, then that's a giant hole yeah. in the wall. Just and the Hyde Amendment is what restricted federal funds from being used to fund abortion access. So yeah, there's just so, there's just so much. I'm also, um, anyway, this episode, by the way, Renee's organization is We Testify. You can find it at wetestify.org. Um, there are tons of other links in the show notes that I think are really important. Um, the other piece that I'll say just before we get into our topic for the day, I'm just more and more haunted reading the draft decision that got leaked about mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. logic being used that is so, it's such circular logic to 
reproduce patriarchy, white supremacy, this idea of like, well, um, you know, that wasn't enshrined in the constitution. Like, well, it's no like the constitution shit. that was written by like 55 men and 17, whatever. Like, yeah, they like, weren't, good, they weren't thinking right. about reproductive rights and women. I'm fucking shocked. I know. So we should that, take, like, like precedent is racist. Precedent yeah. is sexist. Precedent mm-hmm. is transphobic, like by mm-hmm. design, you know, that's mm-hmm. why, there are these movements and activism to push against longstanding systems of oppression. And if your logic as a judge is you just got to go with longstanding systems of oppression, like what, what the fuck dude. So I, I, I definitely am in the camp of, Oh, this is linked to many, 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 many other advances that have been made and will be used as an effort to dismantle them. Um, Whether it's at the state level, whether it's Supreme court decisions, whether it's just, you know, emboldening, assholes to do terrible things to people who they feel like aren't human. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's about ability or whether it's about gender identity or expression, whether it's about sexual identity, whether it's about race, like that logic that he uses is really fucking terrifying. So Mm -hmm. if you read through the draft, you know, um, like the overturning of, of Roe v. Wade, and I know it's just a draft, like we'll see what actually gets decided, but there are lots of reasons that you could use as a Supreme court justice to limit or overturn it. And I feel like he reached into his bag of tricks and pulled out the greasiest, dirtiest, sickest approach to just undermining it all. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, the other two things that I had takeaways on, um, One was also being careful in our language when we talk about reproductive rights and not just talking about it as a quote unquote women's issue. Or even not all women who've had abortions can get pregnant and not all people who can get pregnant are women. That's right. And there's such a disparity in health care access for transgender individuals anyway that we always need to be mindful that that's even a a larger issue. for those individuals right. and just be careful about the language that we use there too. And then there was also this tweet that I read that I was like, yeah, no shit. They talked about how someone had said that the leaking of this decision was the first time that apparently it's ever happened before. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was leaked undermines the legitimacy of the Supreme court. And they were like, say what again, we have <laughs> a justice who was accused of sexual assault yet still confirmed mm-hmm. We have Mm -hmm. a justice who's one not fucking qualified at all, Amy Coney Barrett, and who also may be a member of an extremist religious cult. And we have another one that's been on the the court now for decades who sexually harassed a woman and, as we're going to talk about today, may have tried to help his wife carry out a coup against the government. So fuck your legitimacy of the court. This is who's on the court. And you want to talk about somebody leaking it? Like, give me a break. There, to that point, I think I texted this to you. There's a Vox article, VOX, by mm-hmm. um, Ian Milheiser that I thought was so fascinating. It was the case against the Supreme Court of the United States. And the subtitle, this is from May 3rd um, last week. Or what? This week? I don't even know. Is it May? Oh, when yeah. is it? Is <laughs> yeah, it 2022? It's the 6th. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> so a few um, days ago. Yep. <laughs> sure. The, um, the subtitle is The Court was the midwife of Jim Crow, the right hand of union busters and the dead hand of the Confederacy and is now one of the chief architects of America's democratic decline. And so he writes about um, 
it sounds like I don't know much about this guy, but it was a super fascinating article. And his attitude is basically like, fuck the Supreme Court. And here's why. And here's why no matter who's on it, it's a deeply concerned, like conservatives as a tool for them. It's a much more powerful tool just inherently for conservatives Uh than it is for progressives. So Uh regardless of who's like, even if every single justice was like a super radical progressive, there's only so much the court could do just given how it's structured and the way it functions in society. But in the hands of a conservative majority, there's a whole lot of damage it can do. And I, it just was a really fascinating read. So I definitely um, recommend that article. Um, Oh, and by the way, I was going to mention to you, to your point about language um, in this undistracted episode, Renee Bracey Sherman talks about how from the, the very beginning of her organization, um, it was majority black and brown people. And there were also trans people involved whose stories are also really important to share. And mm-hmm. she said, that's the point is if those folks are not at the heart of your movement at the beginning, there's no bringing them in later without all yeah. sorts of like energies and hardship and difficulty, you know, like it's, just, yeah. or, and potentially not a success at all. So yeah, yeah, they, it's worth a listen for sure. What was yeah, your other takeaway? Right. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, I think that was, those were the two things mainly. Oh. And then it reminded me also when you were talking about, you know, um, Alito's uh, interpretation and his reasoning for overturning Roe not being part like of the in- original constitutional whatever framers intent. <laughs> Someone else also tweeted, you know what else isn't in the Constitution? Nine justices on the Supreme Court. So how about that? (laughs) (laughs) Let's address this issue. I mean, I I don't know why you couldn't say like, well, the three fifths clause is wrong, but everything else is right. Like what? That doesn't make any sense either. So the originalism I've never, ever understood for that very reason. Because there's nothing to understand about it except for it's fucking racist. That's all there is to understand about originalism. It's the same shit with states' rights and everything. It's just code word for white supremacy. That's all it means, period. Picking and choosing when you want it to apply and how you want it to apply. So fuck you, Alito, I see you. And at the same time, do not direct my anger at people who have always been very open about who they are and what they're about and what they're doing. Like, none of this is a surprise at all. Um, It's thinking about, again, as we mobilize yet again, are we going to mobilize in the same old patterns that keep leading us to this place? And when I say we are meaning cis, straight, white, wealthy women, like, or do we get our shit together, hold ourselves accountable? And do we engage in a different way? Not that I'm not saying like, so we will save the day. I'm saying we need to get out of the fucking way Mm -hmm. and do our part to give this the best shot it has at protecting basic human rights and dignity. So Okay. Well, the other, um, I was laughing so hard. I almost called you, but I'm like, no, I'm going to tell her when we record, (laughs) I knew you had wanted to talk about Ginny Thomas today, just regardless. Mm -hmm. Like that was the plan. Mm -hmm. And I'm at my local neighborhood coffee shop. Um, which side note, this is so too much information, but it happens every single time I go into this particular coffee shop. It smells so good. They roast their own beans there, but I have like, you know how coffee is a diuretic. (laughs) <laughs> the moment I walk into this coffee shop, immediately have I have to, to, I'm like, where's your bathroom? No, no, <laughs> not pee. Oh, like, okay. The- <laughs> within seconds. And yeah, it does yeah. not matter what has happened in the previous hour to me. Nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. anyway, 
that aside, I Pavlov, actually love their coffee. Pavlov but dogs of conditioning. I guess. It's, but I, I have to like brace myself to go to this coffee shop because I know it's going to happen. So anyway, I chose that coffee shop to go to. Again, more information than anybody wanted to have about my bodily functions. Um, and I'm waiting for it. And this, this guy like runs into a couple friends. And they're like, what about this news? Hop, 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 you know, like chatting about the news of the leak draft and, and are talking about the leak in particular, you know? Um, and this guy goes, you know who I think did it? And the, the two women he was talking to, they were like, what, who, what do you know? Almost like this, you know how you eavesdrop and you're trying to suss out like, who are these people? How do yeah. they know do each they other? Do they have What's any information? Right. They just like watching yes. YouTube videos. Bonkers people. Right. I mean, who knows? But he, he seemed like maybe he was even a lawyer or something like there was, there was something where they were like, Oh yeah, you'd have the scoop. Tell us what you know, you know, which mm-hmm. could mean he subscribes to the right YouTube channels. I don't know. Right. Um, but he was like, well, I've heard this now from two different friends that Baba da Baba, you know, that Ginny Thomas is the leak. And I, I literally like gasped a little bit. I was like, oh my God. And I was trying so hard to not keep listening really obviously, but I was like, I've got to hear this to tell Mandy yeah, because I yeah. know we're talking about JD Thomas. And then of course, the last couple of days I've been Googling like this as a rumor and who, who is behind this rumor, who thinks this theory is true. Like, is it just so crazy that it might be true. So I don't know if you got into any of that at all, but had you heard that? Mm -mm, I have not heard that. I hadn't heard any of that. And I, but I've thought about that. Like in the leak, people are all, I think the majority of people think that it's someone who is on the progressive side of not overturning Roe v. Wade, who must've done it. But there are arguments that it could be somebody who supports it. And it's like, who does this really help this leak? Like where, what is the motive behind it? And I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, that would I, be interesting. I, I wouldn't like, put it past her. Listen, I don't put after this well. research that I've done on Jenny <laughs> Thomas. I don't put anything beyond this crazy. No, just wait. No, this that's basically <laughs> one of the articles that I read was like, you know, like one expert who's been like researching her for years was like, yeah, I, I really doubt it's her. But but then everyone's like, but she's all this is also like on brand. You know, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's not she's impossible. so out there that um, she's so extreme. But I, here's a tweet that I will read. I also sent you this tweet, but I, this is what got me thinking again, like, oh gosh, I never I thought about it. But then the more I was reading and I really don't want us to focus so much on the leak when obviously like the bigger issue is this thing, but to, to your point, who does this leak benefit? Mm-hmm. It provides a legitimate distraction to talk about instead of the stripping away of constitutional rights from people, you know? So I think in that sense, it benefits the right. Um, Anyway, so this um, Amy Kepsinski tweeted, I clerked at the Supreme Court last night. I assumed a liberal clerk leaked the draft opinion overturning Roe. Now I think much more likely it was leaked by a conservative fanatically committed to every word of Alito's monstrous opinion. Timing. The draft was circulated in February. If a liberal was mad about it, why wait until April to send it to Politico? The op will be out in June. What are the benefits of releasing it early? And a big downside, the focus on the leak itself instead of the opinion. If you work inside the court, you know that the most concrete impact of the leak is to lock in this opinion essentially as is. Any edits at this point reveal jacking between justices, undermine the majority in the court itself. It's embarrassing to the majority. Liberals have lived for years trying to eke out a sense here or there in Scotus' opinions to make these conservative decisions less terrible. Why leak something and undermine that whole strategy? Far and away, mm-hmm. most likely of the leaked draft is that it locks in five votes for this opinion, essentially without edits. Who would want that? So this is about mm-hmm. as extreme an opinion as you can have overturning Roe. 
Um, it talks about fetuses being people as a matter of ancient law, which by the way, it's not. There not. was another mm-hmm. um, tweet that was amazing from a Jewish scholar talking yeah. about how for Jews, it's actually an inherent like right. And it's mm-hmm. actually something that and has duty. to happen yeah. in yeah. particular circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she, the, the Amy goes on to talk about like the timing of when, when draft majorities circulate and the concurrences and dissents. So that's kind of what's happening right now. Um, and they've, Amy's thinking that the best bet is Chief Justice Roberts circulated another draft recently adopting a more moderate position. And so this would come out. Also, um, she talks about the psychology of Supreme Court clerks. The kinds of liberal students who end up at the court are not an activist bunch. They are enormously risk averse and rule abiding. Hard to see how one of them blows their career out of the water in this way for what benefit. Leaking is much more the style of conservatives right now. Think about what Justice Thomas is doing as a model for a clerk here, making a mockery of the court's recusal rules versus with regards to his wife's role in the January 6th coup attempts, which I know we're talking about today. Conservatives have shown that they're willing to break the public trust in the court to get their way. Um, conservatives also know that the leak will be blamed on the left, distracting from how devastating the reversal of Roe will be to the credibility of the court. The career consequences of someone found out are far smaller on the right than the left too, I'd wager. Um, and goes on to say, like, again, this is not the most important part of the story, but just like, you know, food no. for thought, no. um, which I thought was great. And the, the last thing I'll say about Judy Thomas that one of these experts weighed in on, she said, the only thing that really makes me think that she didn't do it is that this person anonymously like leaked it and it stayed quiet. And she's like, that's not her jam. <laughs> like she's not, <laughs> she's not discreet. You know, yeah. that's not like mm-hmm. a strength of hers. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, so. After all of that introduction, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is, let us reintroduce you to this podcast, Our Dirty Laundry, <laughs> where we talk about the history of white women doing bullshit things and supporting white supremacy. And, um, I mean, obviously when we started this, we had all sorts of conservative women in mind, but I think we have found much more dirt and dirtiness on the progressive side, which has been much mm-hmm. more of the problem, I think. I mean, not maybe much more, but definitely like a contributor and something that we can control. Like we can't, problem. and right. we can't necessarily right. control anything that happens in these extreme um, arenas, but we need to look at ourselves to fix what we can. And so I think mm-hmm. that's where we focus. But today... We're going back. (laughs) (laughs) Mandy's just like priming the feathers. We are going to talk about one of the most extreme of the extreme. I don't know if you can find more extreme. Like, I would bet that Jenny Thomas and Phyllis Schlafly were like Mm. besties, like birds of a feather, these two. I do know that Phyllis was like really into Clarence. I think they all have not together. Award ceremony, I think Mm -hmm. we mentioned at one time. Yeah, they were like, Yeah. yeah. Just really living it up together. And Ginny is, it's just shocking. All of this stuff is shocking. So we're going to get into it. Um, so I looked up some background just on her personal life and it, there's not a ton there. Like, for instance, she has, she's the youngest of four children. And I could only even find the name of one of her other siblings online. Like, do you think the rest like, of them are just like, dear God, th- do I not associate They've you changed with my their names. Sister. They're in yeah, witness like- protection. <laughs> <laughs> Please oh, save us God. from this. Like, you can't find who they are, where they live, what they do, what their affiliations are. There's like nothing. Is I don't know Catholic, how to search the, the dark way? web. I think, oh, God. Um, I think, That's I think. A, a good skull. I, I know, I know I nothing know. about okay. it. I'm just um, curious. Okay. I know that, okay, so 
Virginia Thomas, maiden name Lamp. She was born February 23rd, 1957. Um, she grew up in Omaha. Her dad, hmm. Donald, was an engineer. Her mom, Marjorie, was a stay-at-home mom. And she was the youngest of four children. Interestingly, it seems like her mom was the more politically active one hmm. among the two of them. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of where Ginny got her interest is going to political events with her mom. Um, hmm. But there's a writer, Kurt Anderson, and I didn't dig into what he, I, I don't know what he's famous for, but apparently for something he was um, quoted in a New Yorker article as saying that he grew up across the street from the Lamp family and recalls her parents were the roots of the modern crazy Republican Party. My parents were Goldwater Republicans, but even mm. they thought the Lamp family was nuts. So <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not something that she came up with on her own. She This is deep, deep in her upbringing. But I have to go back to what I said earlier about finding myself like becoming more and more extreme mm. and therefore mm -hmm. having a harder time critiquing <laughs> for being extreme this other like side yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's what i will say that only <laughs> holds water if you're thinking about them as two ends of like a, the same spectrum right you know but i i think um there's this a writer who who wrote an essay in time a few years ago tayari jones who says what's halfway between moral and immoral and that's how I think about what you're kind of yeah. saying, like, oh, well, yeah. I'm extreme, too. But you're like, extreme moral is different than extreme, extreme immoral. immoral, you know, yeah. like those are yeah. not similar extremes. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not trying yeah. to absolve you of self-reflection. I Do appreciate it. That's it. Great, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it because I've thought of the same thing, too. I mean, I've always heard forever people have said, you know, the two extremes are just in a circle standing back to back against each other. And it's like, I just don't buy that. Like, you're just looking at the spectrum in a different way. Like the spectrum is not necessarily a circle. Like, if it's a line between right and wrong, moral and immoral, good and evil, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it, like, you can't say the two ends are the same. You just can't. Right. I mean, and I'm sure that the other extreme looks at it the same way and thinks that I it's flipped. I don't know. Well, um, I, this but, is where like, yeah, I do still believe in facts. I do. You know, uh -huh, like I think that uh -huh. there's information and I think people, um, you know, willfully skew things all the time. It's, and you know, I'm not saying that there aren't people on the left that aren't, that, that I wholeheartedly agree with either. Like I, there right. are differences or there are people I'm like, what, what, you uh -huh. know, but in this is thinking specifically about abortion, just given that that's what's kind of unfolding right now. It's not like one end is no abortions ever. And the other end is always abortions all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not the position that the far left nope. takes. The far left is like human rights for mm -hmm. people who are alive and, yeah. you know, bodily sovereignty and that that's yeah. connected to all of these other things. Right. So, and if we want to say know. that we're pro-life, let's actually be that in all of our other policies, not just in, birthing human beings. Correct. So anyway, so that's, that's the background that she came from, from a family upbringing. Okay. Um, she was involved mm -hmm. in debate in high school. She was a member of the Republican club and as early as high school years um, had said that she wanted to be elected to Congress at some point. So she mm -hmm. had like these political aspirations very, very early mm -hmm. on. Um, she earned both her bachelor's and her law degree from Creighton in Omaha. Mm -hmm. Um, so shortly after she 
finished her law degree, she went on to be a legal aide in the 80s for Hal Dobb, who was a representative from Nebraska. Um, he was in the U.S. House of Representatives from 1981 to 1989. Then he later in the mid-90s to early 2000s was mayor of Omaha. Um, I didn't find a lot. I tried to go back and see if he was involved with anything particularly notable in political activity when he was in the house, but I didn't really find a mm -hmm. whole lot. Um, but recently he has been in trouble for some comments he made. There's a state house representative in Nebraska who um, is named Julie Slama. She is a Republican, but she had recently reported that she was sexually assaulted by Charles Herbster, who was... He's like a political person, but also business agriculture is his background. And he was chairman of Trump's Ag and Rural Advisory mm -hmm. Committee for his election. Um, and mm -hmm. Slama said that she was sexually assaulted by mm -hmm. her. And Dobb was quoted as saying that he'd like to put her on the interest on the witness stand and ask her what she was wearing. Ew. Because he said she was trying to attract his attention. Ugh. I'm so over these men. Like, do yeah. they not know that this that's done with? Like, we're not mm -hmm. doing that anymore. What is wrong with these people? I don't know. So that was her first foray into politics after finishing her degree. Hmm. Then after she left being a legal aide for Dobbs, she was an attorney for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. During the time she was there, she argued against the FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act. <laughs> Of 1993. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then she went on to the U.S. Department of Labor, where she argued against comparative worth legislation that would have mandated equal pay for women found to be in equivalent jobs to men. Because, yeah. of course, she's on brand from the beginning. I will yeah. say this woman does not waver it's, from her bullshit. It um, also, the, I don't know, this, it just makes me, the little that I know about Clarence Thomas too, it's like, well, they're a match made in heaven. Oh they, yeah, they, they are. They're respective, like minoritized marginalized groups that are part of, and they're just like, haha, fuck you guys. I'm going to get mine. Like, That's exactly perfect. right. Yeah. There's a New Yorker article that said that really was just like one of their matching points because they were married later. So Clarence Thomas had been previously married. Um, Jenny was never married before she married Clarence. They met in the late 80s. And she said the writer of the New Yorker article said that was one of their initial like commonalities towards each other. Mm. So you have Clarence Thomas, who at the time was like the chair of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is just laughable because his main thing is that he's involved with against that. affirmative yeah. action. Right. So how are you part of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission against Was that things all like um, employment? under Reagan? Was that in yes. Reagan's administration? Yeah, okay. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so he's like the black male who is conservative and against everything that like progressives stand for. And then mm -hmm. she is like the white female who is against everything the feminist movement mm -hmm, at that time mm -hmm. is standing for. And they're both just like these two leaders of conservatism like, that are like the people yeah. someone can hold up and be like, but look, See? this person right. they get thinks it. the same way that we do. Yeah. And that's like an anti-feminist their... woman yep. and an anti-civil rights black man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. pretty much. They get together and they get married. Um, and then, oh, so the year that she argued against the comparative worth legislation was the same year that Clarence Thomas was nominated to the Supreme Court in 1991. And during his nomination process, her job was brought up 
as questionably a conflict of interest for Claire they, and they had literally they were like newlyweds still yeah it was like the point, only right? first okay. couple of years of their marriage I okay think. yeah so even in the hearing people are like well this could possibly yeah like you'll have to recuse yourself from things or like how would this complicate your yeah job? so she's working on all of these things and has personal and job related interests in things that could come up in front of the court and how sure. is that going to be handled um so after she left the U.S. Department of Labor, she went on to be an analyst for Representative Dick Armey, who was in the House mm-hmm. of Representatives for Texas. Um, mm-hmm. For a period of time, he was actually House Majority Leader. And he is known for being one of the engineers of the Republican Revolution in the 90s. Um, he was co-author with Newt Gingrich on the contract with America, mm-hmm. which was like the big, huge, like hundreds of page, like talking point thing that they came up with just full of a bunch of conservative bullshit um, ideas that like originated from the Heritage Foundation, which is mm-hmm. a conservative mm-hmm. think tank, which would then be the next place that Jenny Thomas went to work after I, she worked on that. The way you're describing her right now to me makes her sound like, the sort of anti Forrest Gump, like she was in every <laughs> historic episode, but like ruining lives, yeah. you know, <laughs> like just had her little <laughs> finger just stirring <laughs> up this nefarious <laughs> shit everywhere she goes. She's like, I'm going to ruin the Family Medical Leave Act. I'm going to talk against pay for women. I'm going to put in all of this crap about the contract for America. It, yeah, she was all there. Hmm. Um, but then she went to, and she only stays for like a couple of years at each of these places. It's like, she's just collecting <laughs> titles and collecting <laughs> relationships with all of these sketchy ass people that stay around forever. Um, it's also like the, the like devil Mary Poppins. Like she just whooshes in and has a magical bag of tricks bag of and tricks. then whooshes away with her little umbrella, like puts yeah. her heels together and off she goes to off the next conservative the next place. land. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, So then she was at the Heritage Foundation, and part of her job there was, like, curating and collecting resumes for people they wanted appointed for George W. Bush's presidency. Sure. Yeah. So apparently these think tanks, like, then are have their hands in all of this stuff when these people get elected to say, put this person in this part, this person in this part. Totally. And not that yeah. liberals don't do this on the other side. I'm sure they do. Oh, I, oh 100% they uh, do. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I will say the difference, I think, in this case, or at least from what I've been able to read, is that the strategy on the right for so long has been to get lawyers trained to be activists with the intention of becoming judges that have this like point of view, this interpretation and mm-hmm. like a mission to erode the expansion of rights. And that that's yep. been like a very deliberate decades long strategy that is just now like bearing a ton of fruit. Yep. And so it sounds like if she was part of it in the nineties, especially like that, I'm sure she, yeah, was- she was just laying the groundwork for everything mm-hmm. that we're seeing now. Um, so she was the liaison to the George W. Bush white house from the heritage foundation. She was involved in everything with that. So moving on from there, and this is kind of what you're talking about. In 2009, she founded a group called Liberty Central, which was listed as a nonprofit lobbying group for conservative activists. Um, And what they did was kind of they started these legislative scorecards where Mm -hmm. they would basically grade all Mm -hmm. of the people in the Senate and the House. Um, 
to see where they stood on issues that, mm-hmm. that conservatives cared about. Um, and they, she said it was founded to oppose the leftist tyranny of the Obama administration mm-hmm. and to, mm-hmm. quote, protect the core founding principles of the nation, mm-hmm. i.e., white supremacy. Yeah, I was just going to say, which would be <laughs> which patriarchal would be? capitalist, white supremacy, settler colonialist nonsense. Like, yeah. yeah, that would be. Our, yep. Okay. Those are the core founding yeah. principles, um, you know, that they Using are Using rhetoric that I actually can get behind, like justice and liberty. Great. But, <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, so conflicts of interest with, with this were again raised. Like, mm. so this is not mm. news. There's all these articles out right now about Ginny Thomas, but people have been writing about her and all of these conflicts since Clarence Thomas was in the nomination process. Hmm. Um, but in 2010, there was a New York Times article um, that said activism of Thomas's wife could raise judicial issues. And it said, to some people who study judicial ethics, Mrs. Thomas's activism is raising questions, in particular, about her acceptance of large, unidentified contributions for Liberty <laughs> Central. She began the group in, the late, in late 2009 with two gifts, one of $500,000 and one of 50000 And because it is a 501c4 nonprofit group named for the applicable section of federal tax code, she does not have to publicly disclose any contributors. Such tax-exempt groups are supposed to make sure that less than half of their activities are political. Which is like, how the hell did they get around that? Because their sole purpose is political activity. So I don't really know how that works. Um, But the interesting thing about Mm -hmm. this $550,000 that she received um, is that she received it while Citizens United was being considered before the Supreme Court. Which dun, was the dun, decision dun. that decided that nonprofit groups with political agendas like Liberty Central were operating in this election cycle under like this evolution of regulatory standards for contributions. Like, it's just mind blowing. Her husband was on the side that decided that there could be these contributions, they're easing restrictions on campaign spending and identifying right. who is contributing as her wife is, as his wife is getting over half a million dollars from people. By the way, this is so stupid, but I can't help but think like 500,000 and 50,000 are just such different yeah. numbers. Like, <laughs> do you think whoever wrote the $500,000 check just like accidentally added a zero and was like, like, fuck, ah. I can't take it back. That's embarrassing. Or like, <laughs> you know, just they actually like, did. Really- like, I think there was a Politico article later on that did identify who um, contributed that amount. And of course, it's some like, you know, conservative political activist person that yeah, I read yeah. about, but didn't get all the details written down. So <laughs> it wasn't George Soros I mean, because as I was reading about this, like then I'm following like all the footnotes, you know how this happens. Oh, we yes, just go I, down I, the rabbit hole. <laughs> click, click, click. Well, as we, you can say we, but I did not earn the name petty detective. I think that you are much more footnote friendly than I am. Oh so, my yes. gosh. I'm like, okay, where did this come from? Where did this one come from? And then you just go yeah. and you are in like 85 million different articles you're like shit where did i start what was no, i trying to I do totally. uh, okay yeah so 
this is my, this is the, the result of me clicking on all these articles. There's many of them and we'll put things in the show notes, um, so that people can go and read all of the details on this. Um, but so she founded Liberty Central in 2009. It wasn't much later, like two years later in 2011, when she steps down from Liberty Central. And the day that she announces that she's stepping down from Liberty Central, she incorporates her current business, which is called Liberty Consulting. She's very original. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Liberty Consulting boasts on its website that she uses her experience and connections to help clients with governmental affairs efforts and political donation strategies. Like, what experiences and connections is she talking about, can we say? Like, her husband on the court? I mean, or you even can't if be- it's not directly Claire Bear, like even if it's not, even if the only reason, or I shouldn't say the only, but like you can't factor out the fact that she's the wife of a Supreme Court justice being what gives her access to all these other people. So whether it's direct where she's literally like, Hey, let's talk about this Planned Parenthood or the, the Citizens United case. Like, here's what I, you know, whether it's that direct or whether it's indirect, it doesn't matter. Like you can't argue that, that at least some part of her influence is not derived from her partnership with him. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be like, there's no, there's no way. Um, but they said, so Thomas stepped down from her leadership post at Liberty central and it was announced that the group was merging with another conservative nonprofit group called the Patrick Henry center for individual Liberty. Um, the sources for this political Politico article, um, said Thomas essentially put Liberty central on the block because it was struggling to raise enough money to support its big staff and high overhead. So initially they were getting all this money and then there's some um, scuttlebutt around that the reason she got herself in trouble and people wouldn't donate as much as in October of 2010, um, Anita Hill released a voicemail that Jenny left for her oh, yeah. in 2010 where she just random ass calls her out of nowhere, no contact with her for years years and years and years and leaves a voicemail. Like this woman is one of the dumbest intelligent people out there. (laughs) (laughs) Leaves a voicemail that could then be published telling Anita Hill that she needs to publicly apologize to Clarence Thomas for her accusations of sexual harassment. Why? Like, why? Like, what prompted her to do that so many years later and at that moment? I can't believe it was just like too much white wine. Like, (laughs) why then? You know? Yeah. No. And she, but she had been asked about it later on. And she basically says that, like, oh, it was just like a just brief lapse in judgment. (laughs) No. No. Uh, Also, I think if she ever gets Secret Service detail for any reason, her code name, better be scuttlebutt and that should be <laughs> that how she's known for sure Ginny sure. scuttlebutt thomas scuttlebutt scuttlebutt um so oh, yeah. somehow like after all of this happened or as this was happening right after she founded liberty central a reporter from politico got her on the phone and Ginny said that she was having trouble with her cell phone signal she said i'd be happy to talk to you but i can't clearly understand what you're asking so maybe this isn't the best time and then she got disconnected 
You're breaking up. (laughs) That's exactly what fucking happened, it sounds like. Because then later she does not respond to subsequent voicemail or email messages. I'm shocked. shocked. We're shocked. She did, however, give an interview to a conservative um, reporter for the Daily Caller, where she said that she planned to spend the bulk of her time working as a consultant for Liberty Central and the Patrick Henry Center, and said she would help them in any way I can think of, whether it's lobbying on the Hill or connecting with grassroots or helping speak or write or fundraise. So basically, she stepped down and then made a consulting firm where then she's getting paid to consult for the group that she stepped down from. To do the same job, just paid a different way. Yeah, just paid through a different thing. And she she says lobbying on the Hill, but she's not registered as a lobbyist. Liberty Central is not registered as a lobbying firm. Liberty Consulting mm-hmm. is not. The Patrick Henry Center is not lo- like registered as lobbyists because you have to register when you're yeah, a lobbyist yeah, yeah. because yeah. there's certain laws that you have to follow when you're a lobbyist. But guess what? If you're not going to follow those laws, you're probably not going to follow the original law to, to register. register as a lobbyist. So <laughs> exactly. It's like, hey, nerds, come over here and tell me that you're a nerd and <laughs> everybody else can go smoke in the parking lot. Bye. <laughs> That's how that goes. Yeah, that's exactly. exactly. (laughs) She is smoking in the parking lot. And I have a feeling that it's like Marlboro menthols, too. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt. (laughs) She is. This is like the most, this next thing that was like the most scuttlebuttish thing ever. So (laughs) now I'm picturing her license plate being like (laughs) S-C-T-L-B-T. If anybody's in the DC area and they see that license plate, it better be. Tell us it's no drive by and it's Ginny Thomas smoking a menthol. (laughs) I'm send us pictures. Love it. Oh, so have you ever heard of the organization or the group um, Groundswell? Is this familiar to you at all? No. Okay. So 2013, Ginny Thomas is one of the founding members of a group called Groundswell. This is a coalition of prominent conservatives in Washington who meet weekly to coordinate messaging and plans for a 30-point war to save this nation. Yeah, it sounds like yes. the you know Dick Army Newt Gingrich like this is the um, social media like version of this shit that's happening. Um, this includes strategies for killing immigration reform. Um, one of their main focuses at the time was hyping the Benghazi controversy mm-hmm. and countering the impression that the GOP exploits racism. It's, it's not a fucking. Exp- impression yeah, people right. <laughs> right. don't stop doing it just, just try don't to get people to think like it. aren't doing wait it. Yeah. until you hear one of their ideas behind this you are okay. going to shit anyway <laughs> so um this ar- there's an article in that i will post from mother jones that's all about groundswell um and it says critics have contended that Thomas's work as a lobbyist opposing Obamacare posed a conflict of interest for her husband who would rule on the constitutionality of the health care reform initiative. He was part of the Supreme Court minority that favored striking mm-hmm, the law down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a liberal group called Common Cause that maintained that Justice Thomas had a conflict of interest when he participated in Citizens United because his wife at the time was running a conservative nonprofit group fighting the tyranny of the Obama administration. Yeah. Um, 
that would benefit from removing the limits on such group spending and fundraising with her involvement in Groundswell, which zeroes in on contentious issues that come before the high court, including voting rights, abortion, and gay marriage, Ginny Thomas continues to be intricately associated with matters on which her husband may have to render a decision. So Groundswell, I mean, they're kind of genius in the way that they have worked. When I found out about all of their action items and then the way that they played out in the public eye in the articles mm-hmm. that were written in the messaging that comes from conservative pundits and like conservative mm-hmm. leaders in Congress. I was like, holy shit, these people were good at this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would meet and they specifically said like, this group isn't a group that gets together and like bullshits and takes notes. We have political action items from every single meeting that we are having that we want to see in place, like within the next week before we meet again. And there were members of this group that were like, uh, that were in journalism, Breitbart News, hugely Mm -hmm. for one of them, but also Fox News correspondents that were members of this. And they would take the talking points from these meetings and they would immediately become article headlines and news headlines. Mm -hmm. For example, um, one of the hashtags and one of the action item messages that they came up with was during the Obama administration and immigration reform is they came up with the term politics over public safety. And that's what they wanted to push Mm. and use as as a conservative speaking. Yeah. Yeah. The framing for immigration was that Obama was putting politics over public safety. So after the meeting with this messaging push within the next days, conservative articles were published in the Washington Times, titled Putting Politics Over Public Safety, in Judicial Watch Weekly, Politics Over Public Safety, More Illegal Alien Criminals Released by the Obama Administration, mm-hmm. um, in LaborUnionReport.com and RedState.com, a post called Obama's Machiavellian Sequestration Pain Game, Putting Politics Over Public Safety, mm-hmm. and then for Breitbart... And um, another tweet that came up saying, politics over public safety, a message. So all of these things came out immediately after this meeting. They get this message out. And in the next meeting that they have, Ginny Thomas awarded brownie points to all of these members for promoting their message. So I mean, when you have no ethics, then you have so many more tools available to you. Yeah. You know, it's not just uh, that article I was talking about at the beginning. That's like, here are the ways that the court itself is like inherently conservative, but here are the ways where if, if these are your agenda, if this is your agenda and you like, it is to dehumanize and it is to exclude people and it is to do all these things. And like all bets are off. Like then you will coordinate with journalists who aren't, who are supposed to have some kind of distinction just fucking just makes me so mad do not do not so this is the one messaging point that i didn't like here come out the politics over public safety is familiar to me um Mm -hmm. but they also talked about how they were failing the propaganda battle with minorities as if it's just this propaganda battle and not actual people's fucking lives but that's exactly it it i mean that's what i was gonna say is like at the very least you can you can have a problem again, a machine to tell people it's not raining outside, but when people go outside and get wet, like there's only so much you yeah. can do, you yeah. know? So at least there is some semblance of like people still are experiencing things in the world and are experiencing pain and harm. And they know that that's real. So 
again, this is where it's like so much easier for the right to do everything that they're doing. But that doesn't make me any less frustrated with the left for not getting their shit together more consistently. So anyway. Um, So they said terms like GOP, Tea Party, and conservative communicate racism. No (laughs) fucking shit. Because that's the game we've been in for all of time. Um, I don't. Yeah. The groundswellers proposed an alternative, calling themselves Frederick Douglass Republicans. Gross, because also, when they released this, they spelled Douglas with one S. And Didn't Trump also two, think Frederick Douglas was alive? Don't you remember that? And he's like, <laughs> yes, where, why, like... Can't, why can't Frederick Douglas be here? Like, well, <laughs> he's dead. I'm going to look up what he said exactly, because it was some insane uh, thing. They said um, that this phrase would be a phrase that changes minds. Like, what? Mm-hmm. What, what, what? Oh, it's also just so cynical. It's so cynical and base, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's gross. Also, not that the Democrats have a great track record with racism either. No. Let me just say right. that. But it's like, yeah, your policies are absolutely I, intent on maintaining these systems. And of none of this oppression. is about changing the policy. It's like, let's right. co-opt this black man's name who happened to be a Republican back when things were all switched around, as we've talked about. When was this talking point? What year would this have been? Does it say? 2013-ish, 2014. Well, this article is from 2017. This is what I'm remembering. But Mm -hmm. um, President Trump said, President at the time said, Frederick Douglass is an example of someone who's done an amazing job and is getting recognized more and more, I notice. (laughs) He noticed probably from the memo where this shit came out. Um, Yeah, yeah, it must have been before 2013 because this was published in the Mother Jones article, which is in 2013. Oh, sure. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay. Well, interesting. 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 Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So there's numerous Supreme Court cases that have happened or are still happening that Ginny Thomas has these interests in. There's a New Yorker article that brings about like so there's a difference in the supreme court justices and what they're required from an ethics standpoint versus federal judges and other levels of judges like there's all these rules for judges at other levels and ways that they have to like basically put their interests out there anyone in their Mm -hmm. family or blah 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 the supreme court has very little of those like they don't have anything really formal that they, and they have just to hold follow. themselves accountable yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's just like, themselves, so which is what you're decide. saying. If you're an immoral yeah. person, you Why don't you give, give a fuck, fuck about right. breaking these rules. Right. Um, so, but even they are supposed to recuse themselves from cases in which their spouse is a party to the proceeding or is an officer, director, or trustee of an organization that is party to the case. Mm-hmm. So, Ginny Thomas has never been a named party in these sure. cases that are on the docket. And she's not litigating them, but she has held leadership positions mm-hmm. at conservative groups that have been involved in these cases or had members that were engaged in cases. So in 2019, she announced a project called Crowdsources where one of her four partners was James O'Keefe. O'Keefe is the founder of a group called Project Veritas, and they're a conservative group that at the time was petitioning the Supreme Court. Um, in a case that was from Massachusetts where they were supporting 
videoing of public officials without their knowledge. So it's against the law to videotape people without their knowledge and public officials, particularly in this case. But Project Veritas was trying to do it in order to put people in embarrassing situations and Mm -hmm. then basically like out them in some way. And so he is a partner of Ginny Thomas's and her project who is petitioning the Supreme Court in an active case at the time. Um, Another partner in crowdsourcers is Cleta Mitchell, who is chairman of Public Interest Legal Foundation. And she had an amicus brief before the court that was regarding the whole election process. Um, Thomas also served on the board of the National Association of Scholars, which had a brief before the Supreme Court regarding affirmative action at Harvard. And a case Mm -hmm. that was before them at the time, she was a board member of that group. And she was also a paid consultant to the Center for Security Policy, whose founder, Frank Gaffney, submitted the amicus brief to the Supreme Court supporting Trump's Muslim ban. So she's always like one step removed. Like a half step. Yeah, not even here. yeah, not yeah. even a full step, like just straight behind yeah. the people who are then mm-hmm. presenting all of these cases and briefs to the Supreme Court that her husband is ruling on. Um, Honestly, not that I think it would even matter that like, I don't even know that it. I'm sure Clarence Thomas's opinions are the same. I mean, mean, it's not like it's changing his opinions. Well, oh, oh, no, I'm saying even if she were named. Oh, yeah, he'd still. Like, I don't know that he would recuse himself. And then what do people like? What's what do you do? 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 Well, so the only um, the only way to have someone removed from the Supreme Court is to impeach them, which apparently only happened once, like in the early 1800s. When someone had some financial interest that was found to be Mm. in conflict with the court. Mm. And so they got impeached. But the fact that it hasn't happened in over 200 years. And Congress would have to impeach the person. Yeah. Okay. Well, so So, how does, I know that she's also, her tweets, like why people were talking about her initially the last few weeks was because of her tweets to Mark Meadows being released yeah. Who is Trump's chief of yes, staff yes. during so she January had, 6th. Uh-huh. So I think people knew like just around January 6th, she came up because she had a Facebook post, which encouraged people to go to the Stop the Steal rally. And she also had like a picture of the rally before it turned violent, where she said, love MAGA people on it on January 6th. And then later went back and said, this was posted before violence started. I don't condone this. Um, Are you sure it wasn't like love, comma, MAGA, MAGA people? people. Like, <laughs> like an instructive, from, like love, just love you yeah. or, or from. Like, I don't from know. Who knows? Us. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she was actually, she recently has actually admitted that she was at the Stop the Steal rally, but left before Trump even got on stage because she was cold. So she didn't stay, um, oh, good. but she was there. And like, is that, is that also like, it's breaking up like, burr, burr. <laughs> I have to I'm go. so cold. Yeah. I'm not there anymore. No one has any pictures that I've seen yet. Um, yes. But even before this, like after the election happened, so she had all these texts that have been now discovered between Mark Meadows, like about, ways to overturn it and things that like you have to do, you have to block this from happening. You have to do this, this, and this, like sending Mark Meadows literal links to the YouTube QAnon videos about all the conspiracies. She would send these to Trump's chief of staff and be like, have you seen this? I hope it's true. Like what, 
what is this? Like, what kind of bar do these people set? There's no bar, apparently. There's no bar whatsoever. Um, so this is all, that was all public then, but now, then there's this January 6th committee that's come up and they subpoenaed a whole bunch of records. And Clarence Thomas was the sole dissenting Supreme Court justice in the Supreme Court decision that said that Trump's records had to be turned over and that this, the records and of so Trump's Thomas staff, was saying they should not have yes, to be turned over. Thomas was yeah. the only one. Mm-hmm. And people who have analyzed his dissent, because when you're the dissenting person you, and you're the only one, you're going to be the one writing why you dissent right. against it. Right. They have people who have analyzed it said it's like just absolute mind boggling, like makes no sense whatsoever because he's protecting his wife fucking mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. in this, because then when it gets turned over, they find hundreds <laughs> of texts between her and Mark Meadows at the time of the election, after the election, and on January 6th about how they're dealing with this whole thing. So she's currently, there's currently like talks about subpoenaing her to come before the January 6th committee. And I think they have or are subpoenaing Meadows. So, and these people, some of these people like Mark Meadows have refused to testify and those refusals will likely then be taken to the Supreme Court. I know. It's just all for them like, to decide upon. So the, she very likely could become mm-hmm. a named party in something that Clarence Thomas will decide on. And this is where I, I feel like it's just going to be like the old legal precedent of any J. Hamas Tay. <laughs> it's, I'm thinking that that applies here. So. No, I don't have to recuse myself. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. all just gobbledygook. Gobbledygook yeah. and scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt. So much scuttlebutt. I mean, she. And there's there's so many other things that come up in this. Like there's a, in the 2019 New York Times article by Maggie Haberman, she talks about a meeting that Ginny Thomas led with Trump and about a dozen other like White House aides um, where they talked about things like, one woman that was there argued that women women shouldn't serve in the military because they had less muscle mass and lung capacity than men did. Jesus Christ. And then another one said that gay marriage was harming the fabric of the United States. And someone else dismissed the idea that sexual assault was pervasive in the military. The And she was leading this group that was talking to him about it. And she also, this is just another aside, it's just because it's all gross and it has to be out there. She hired a woman who was fired by the conservative group Turning Point USA because she, this woman, who is Crystal Clanton is her name, had texted a colleague a year earlier in all caps, I hate black people. She got fired from Turning Point USA for that text and then... Ginny Thomas hired her. By the way, Clarence Thomas is black. <laughs> just in case that wasn't information just, everybody listening had. I I mean, this woman, it's it's amazing. There's so much out there on her activism and on her lobbying and all of the stuff she's been involved in. I don't know how Congress and the courts can't do something. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like you said, I highly doubt it would make a difference. Um, but it's just the dirtiest of the dirty. It's appalling. Yeah. I'm appalled. Yeah. 
I was just fine. noticing we we when we record these, you and I can see each other. Yeah. Um, I was thinking <laughs> that maybe we should like um, I again. I know this is something I repeat all the time. I'm terrible at social media, but I know people are loving TikTok, and I was like, oh, maybe we should record ourselves and put a little something in TikTok. It's a terrible idea. We should not do that because I have no idea how it works or what it is. But I was just looking at myself as you were like wrapping up, like. This furrowed brow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your line these, has deepened over this past oh, hour. This, it is like, <laughs> like there's no going back. Like now it's just a permanent furrow that I could like store things in. Uh-huh. Um, no. It's just going to be You store a pack of Marlboro menthols for Jenny's Thomas. In your <laughs> I'll just have like furrow. one cigarette just ready to go. <laughs> At all times. I have a friend that I've been Zooming with for different meetings lately. And every time we Zoom, she's like smoking more and more. And she's like, well, I'm smoking inside now. So that's the kind of day it was today. Like I'm in my house. I'm not just in my car. I'm not just outside. And I was like, if it ever gets so bad where you're like in bed, haven't changed into your clothes for the day like that's what's <laughs> rock bottom two you know? cigarettes hanging out of her mouth <laughs> just yeah like the whole pack just in um smoking is bad for you you should not smoke but i do feel like maybe maybe the nicotine would just go straight into my forehead like just soaking <laughs> it summer. through there Oh, oh my gosh. My God. Yeah, there, so yeah, we'll wait and see. I mean, we're still going to see what happens. It's all still unfolding. There's articles like being <sighs> published every day about where this is at with her and all of her texts and information. I mean, there are times like the macro view of all of this, like the, 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 the plan to get the Supreme Court to have the majority it currently has, like all of these long game movements that seem to be falling into place make it seem like a vice that is just going to tighten around any any efforts to address white supremacy or heterosexism or sexism or classes like at ableism yeah. like any yeah. of those things it's just this vice grip around yeah. it and i'm like okay play out like or is there still room to maneuver out of this vice grip you know i mm-hmm. have to believe that there is but also like what is the, what happens after, let's say the end game is totally successful. Like what happens after that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's where it's like, okay, maybe it's a long game, but I think justice is a longer game. You know, when I think about the hundreds of years that enslaved but people also, organized, resisted, fought back, loved each other, like, yeah, I, but you know, like also like we can't be complacent with that and i think that's the problem that we're at right now right like everybody not everybody a lot of people that would not consider themselves to be on the nefarious side of someone like jenny thomas just think that somebody else is handling this shit Mm -hmm. there's like there's no way that this will be allowed to continue there's no way it'll get that bad it, it will, is and it will right if it is people it don't will. do something mm-hmm. so i understand everybody's right. disillusionment in particular with the democratic party and as we have said multiple times this episode and other episodes we get yeah. it there is some shit yeah. it is Absolutely. understandable like the desire sometimes to just like let it all fucking burn so that then we can rebuild i i get it but when you do that real people's lives are affected by that. And it's usually not real people like us who have privilege. So I think in one way, we have to work within the framework that we have to get to a different framework. And so if you're someone 
who has been sitting on the sidelines and maybe has thoughts about not voting in the midterms or you don't like Mm -hmm. the people that are going to be up for election or whatever. I think we have to take a page from this conservative playbook and not do it like ha 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 evil nefariously as they have, but become as focused in messaging and in purpose as these groups have been and look at that long game. Like what is the long game? So you don't love Joe Biden. Me either. Mm-hmm. We fucking need a Democrat in as the president. We need them in control of the house and the Senate so that should someone die on the end of the conservative justices, we can get somebody else in there and not have it just continue to build to the super majority where it just takes the nation down this fucking depths of despair that we're heading yeah. in. I mean, I, that's, I, that's at where... least I think of it as maybe like a both and approach. Like I will vote in the midterm elections. I vote in every single election. Yeah. school board. Yeah. I don't care. I will always go to a poll. Give me a poll. I will go to it. Yeah. But or I shouldn't say but, but like, and we're still going to fight. There's still there. There's no it, it's such like cold satisfaction when you look at who some of the Democrats are yeah. that are in power. So yeah. it's like, OK, I will always vote for who I think is the best person who's going to protect human dignity and expand rights and work towards justice like that. It, it like comparatively for who's running, like that's what who I will vote for. Right. And especially social movements and organizing and activism that are led by the people most impacted to your point, the people Mm -hmm. whose lives will immediately feel this, who daily deal with it in like a very, very real way that that is who I fall in line behind. That is where I give my money to. That is where like I will, that, that matters to me a lot Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. if those folks are saying, like, and, and there isn't agreement. I don't think there's consensus on the left, like reform revolution. And it, it's, I, mm-hmm. and I don't know that it's like an either or scenario for sure. But I, I think like this argument that given who we are relative to these issues, like, I don't know that that necessarily leads us to the obvious answer. Like knowing then that we'll burn it all down, but we won't feel the direct consequences of that. Mm -hmm. The same argument is true of moderation or of like reform within institutions. Like we don't feel the harms of that either. Like either way we're inoculated. So to a degree, you know, I I don't think we're completely immune from these things either because we ourselves have reproductive justice issues that we're facing or have faced, or that we have people we love very deeply and dearly who are terrified right now of the domino effect. Like there's lots of reasons yeah. why we're still, you know, very Affected. committed, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I I'm hoping that it's not like an either or thing. And the, the parts of organizing that excite me a lot right now are like mutual aid societies and other ways of coming together and governing communities that Mm -hmm. don't rely on a system that's this exploitable and Mm -hmm. this fragile and this easy to, to use in such nefarious ways. And I don't, I say easy, like obviously some of this has been decades in the making, but like, fuck this, you know, like I think some of these things are so inherently racist and sexist they're really not worth defending they're not and it's scary to say that out loud and it's scary to say like okay so now what then if that's true what next i don't Mm know Mm -hmm. um there was a podcast i better ways i was listening to and i can't remember 
it, they all like jumble together in their ideas where somebody was talking about this idea of like, what if we just, we don't like any of the options. And it's like, well, right. we know going into these things, we're going to have to fight somebody. It's going to mm-hmm. be a battle with someone, whoever gets elected. The question is, who do you want to fight with? Who mm-hmm. are you going to have more success pushing? Mm-hmm. We're going to be not in agreement with right, either right, one, right. but you're right. not going to have, we're never going to have success fighting the Ginny Thomases of the world. Their minds will not be changed. You can't make a dent there. Like, mm-hmm. can you push on other people? Who else can we like continually keep trying to get to move over to the side of more justice in all of these issues? And I think that's how we have to look at it at, at this point in time. Anyway, I don't know. Well, <sighs> Anyway, I know heavy side. We just need to have a heavy side pre-recorded to just like push a button. <sighs> it's just, yeah. Thank you so much. I did not. I've just been hearing so much about her and did not know all that. I will say you left out one oh, little yeah, fun yeah. fact that I, I knew I that forget, she yes. was part of a cult. Do yes, you talk she a little was bit about part this? of a cult. What was it called again? So I did read about it and that uh, Life Source. Is that the Life, the name? Life Spring? Spring. So this was like early. This was before she was married to Clarence, I believe. Um, but it was some sort of a, I don't know, it was like a self-helpish sort of group or something. Um, but what they're known for is like, apparently they would have these meetings where they would get together and people would like strip down naked and stand in the middle of the group. And they would be like ridiculed for their physical appearance as like a way of tearing them down to motivate them to change somehow. Like I don't, that's surely that's not, not the entire work meeting start. Oh, that's not well. how they go. That's- <laughs> <laughs> oh um, yeah. I'm sure that's not the entirety of what they do. And I'm sure that they uh, would dispute that, but apparently that is a group that she was involved in. She has since been quoted as saying that she realizes that it was a cult and disassociates herself from it. But I don't know if it has like conservative Mm -hmm. background as well or what, but that's another rabbit hole. Look that up guys. You want to hear about that? (laughs) Well, here's, this is what I will tell you that we are doing next. This is like as far from Ginny Thomas, maybe as you can get, but I have been doing a lot of research on riot girls and girl power, like Mm -hmm. white Mm -hmm. feminism of the nineties. Not that riot girls were, um, all white, which is actually part of the story, but we're looking into like girl power of the nineties mm-hmm. and the ways that whiteness worked through that and where that kind of led us to today. So I'll be ready to talk about that with us next week. Okay. So awesome. get your favorite spice girl outfit on. <laughs> I'd like spice girls are so different than like bikini kill. So we're, we're going to talk a lot about like pop culture music and then these like the different ways that um, feminism and in particular white feminism works through those, but, mm, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Come okay. with your best, like let's rock out punk. to some music before yeah, mm, or <laughs> 90s <laughs> punk or pop and then yeah. come ready to jam next okay. week. So All have right. a good week, everybody. I'm excited. Okay. We will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.